evening, everybody. Well, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if uh, Pastor Brett did this on purpose or not. But our first song is "A Shelter in the Time of Storm." Uh, we're not dealing, having to deal with too many storms, but uh, Florida is, and it is nice to know that, um, regardless of what kind of storm, uh, we have a shelter in the Lord. We'll go ahead and sing "A Shelter in the Time of Storm."
often do you think every morning about how great his faithfulness is? Because that line really sticks out to me, especially with this next song, How Can I Fear? Um, morning by morning, new mercies that I see. Oftentimes in the morning, until I get a cup of coffee, I don't even want to see my children. <laughs> they, have a, they have a timer. They can't come down until it goes off because of that. But seeing those mercies every morning, how can I fear what comes ahead? Who's going to come against me? What things are going to happen uh, in my community, um, in my family? The power that every morning creates new mercies is also the one that's going to take care of me. So how can I fear? Let's sing that together. When shadows fall and the night covers all, there are things that my eyes cannot see. I'll never fear for the same. several uh, prayer requests to share with you. You probably already are aware of most of them, but we can kind of give you an update, see if I've still got my list from this morning. There it is. So, um, by the way, we saw uh, Dave uh, Black was here this morning, so it was good to see him. Haven't seen him in a while, but um, uh, my father-in-law, Ben Hughes, is in the hospital. If you'd pray for him, he had a uh, kidney stone in each kidney that was blocking the duct and his kidneys just backed up with vile stuff and that started poisoning his whole body so they got the kid they got the uh, kidneys uh, stents in them and everything's starting to drain so now we just need him to get past the infection and get his strength back so uh, he's actually numbers are looking good he's doing pretty good there he just is very weak so if you pray for dad appreciate it uh, Andy's having surgery on Monday on his eye, cornea transplant. And uh, Miss Jean, uh, 
this is, these are both Trumps. Ms. Jean's still recovering from her surgery, or she had a shot, I'm sorry, on Monday. Uh, and it seems to be working, so keep praying for her. Uh, Miss Pearl is uh, seeing a sports doctor this afternoon. I haven't heard uh, what she found out. And a heart doctor tomorrow. She's got a couple of different things going on. So her back, uh, shoulder back issue with the sports doctor, and uh, she's having some things. Now, she has a heart issue already we know about, so pray for her. Uh, Skeet's recovering from surgery, his back surgery, so pray for him. Uh, Carol uh, McLaughlin is, is uh, waiting for surgery, so pray for her. Uh, Miss Catherine is recovering from knee replacement, so pray for her. Whew. All right, those are the ones that I know about. What do you have for us, Brian? Uh, Andrew and I go to the thoracic surgery tomorrow. Tomorrow? What's it called? Thoracic? Chest surgery. Okay, that's tomorrow, so pray for Miss Andrea as they go in to find out what to do with this uh, tumor that is not a major issue and it's not cancer, but it's creating breathing issues for her. Uh, so pray for that. Chuck? Bonnie Gebby had cataract surgery this morning, so pray for speedy recovery on that. Yeah. They usually, I mean, honestly, they're frighteningly fast, but they seem to work, so typically, so that's good. There were a ton of people this morning with family in Florida. I'm sure there's a, you know, so pray for Florida, right? Yeah. Go ahead, my I'm sorry. Too, right? Uh, my sister, and my brother, so. Okay, so, yeah, I didn't write all of them down this morning, but uh, pray for them. The, yeah, Bruce and Manette, they they're kind of out of the line of it, but they are still close enough to evacuate. They've moved out and, and are at the church, I think they said. So uh, pray for them. By the way, I got a text from Skeet. Uh, he is open to having visitors. If you call first, he's getting bored. Uh, <laughs> so he would love to have a visitor. Just call first, and uh, that way they can be ready for you. But uh, Or you can call him or whatever. But... Uh, so that's what happens, you know, you got that surgery, and then, so we have um, the Zellers own property, this, this uh, thing that uh, Mark and Amy's neighborhood have been going through, uh, Scott's neighborhood has been going through, so the Zellers own property, and, and uh, there's, it's getting heated in some aspects, and so they're asking for prayer for safety for everybody. Uh, so Brian and Julie, Years ago, 20 years ago or so, 25 years ago, went to our church uh, when we were over in the other building. Uh, he's a lawyer, so they're kind of involved on that side of it. So just pray uh, for them. Pray that Scott doesn't break out the guns. I'm just kidding. I want to keep it uh, safe. So, And then the other one was... Young pastor, young church, Ryan, Ryan Horkaby, and uh, he had COVID two years ago almost now, a year and a half ago, and uh, now he's developed pneumonia, and it's all somehow connected. They're doing some genetic testing, so uh, pray for him out in Arizona. Ms. Sharon? Sarah has custody of a two-month-old Malachi, uh, which they would like to adopt. So it's a, going from from um, foster care-ish. Is that what this is? Is it a foster care situation? Going from that to adoption is almost bigger than going through adoption. You know, there's you have to jump through other hoops because yeah, I don't need to get into it, but just pray about that. So, Ms. Jackson. 
Catherine is, oh, Katie, all right. I, I don't hear people call her Catherine. All right, so pray for Katie as well. Sorry, I thought maybe the dad had a TIA and Katie has, what was that again? Migraine issues, so pray for her. She's way too young to have migraines. But then again, she's got William for a brat. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Ms. Caitlin. Mom, just some, some news that the Lord could use to work out really well, and, uh, but also there's some danger with it, so pray for that. Ms. Rita? So it's not related to the accident? This is... Uh, he's been going on since he was late teens. Okay. And finally somebody said we need to find out why, so they're going to do more. All right. Well, so pray for Don. He's having some knee issues to get that settled. On crutches. <laughs> <laughs> on crutches. Steve? Uh, Danny Dodd for salvation. Danny Dodd for salvation. Tim? Tim helps, Tim helps run a major soccer event, like a thousand soccer players, high schoolers. Uh, but the burden of leadership. So there you go. So pray for wisdom there. Joe? Joe's dad had a work laptop stolen, so all of the things that are involved in that, that's uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff to say. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for yet another opportunity to be here and gather ourselves together around your word and to grow. And we do bring the state of Florida before you and the leadership there and the helpers that are there, those who are uh, housed there, that you would protect them, uh, watch over them during this hurricane. Uh, it's one of the really bad ones, it seems like, and just pray that you protect life, protect property. Uh, be with all of those loved ones we have there. Uh, be with Dad in the hospital, help him to uh, strength, get strength back and to be able to get back out of the hospital and be back with Mom and watch over her and, and uh, Melody as she's taking care of them. Uh, be with Andy and Jean as they're working through things and Miss Pearl, Miss Carol, Skeet, and Miss Catherine, just watch over all of them as they're uh, recovering from and or looking to surgeries. Don as well, that you just help things to uh, go well there. I'll be with Rekindle this Saturday. Give us the weather that you would have for us and uh, with uh, the teenagers that are coming in that uh, we would be able to uh, see good godly decisions being made. Be with Miss Andrea uh, going into this uh, meeting tomorrow you give her and Doc peace that passes understanding of that doctor uh, clear and understandable wisdom and what to do for uh, this pastor Horkaby, uh, Horkaby that uh, you would watch over him as help the doctors figure out just what's happening there and be able to um, to help him for uh, so Sarah uh, and they're looking to uh, adopt this little one that uh, they'd be able to do that we would open up those doors and just give them wisdom moving forward. Um, 
from Miss Becca, as she's dealing with headaches, that you would help her and uh, or Miss Kately, I'm sorry, Miss Katie, Miss Becca's dad, as he's had this uh, many strokes, that you watch over him. Be with the whole situation in Franklin Township, uh, especially over there in Acton, as they try to work through things that uh, level heads would prevail and uh, they'd be able to see things done not just uh, right but safe as well. Yeah, Tim, as he uh, leads this soccer thing, that things go well, and for Danny Dodd, that you would touch his heart, help him to see the need for salvation for Caitlin's mom, uh, use this situation to uh, draw her to you and uh, to help her to make good, wise decisions and just to help things to work out well there. Uh, be with our teenagers, our young people, uh, uh, college groups as they're meeting in different places here tonight, that you'd watch over them. Uh, be with Doc as he uh, brings your word to us, help us grow in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, there you go. Tim mentioned the... Uh, am I on? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Tim mentioned the issue of uh, the soccer. Uh, what do they call it? Um, sectionals or whatever um, coming up, and, and the issue of leadership. And Pastor mentioned uh, Ryan Horkavy. Um, one of the one of the interesting aspects of leadership is that in that context, you oftentimes build relationships with individuals that endure over long periods of time. Ryan, uh, uh, and this is, you know, when I got this this afternoon, I just, you know, my mind went back to, to uh, when Brent and I were at BJ and I was the, the assistant to the director of admissions and I had all the, the, the student counselors but also our, um, our student callers uh, and I was responsible. And Brian, as a grad student, was one of my, um, admissions counselors, and uh, as well as Jen, his wife, and uh, obviously I knew him when we were out in Arizona. But when, whenever I see something like that, my mind went back to some some really memorable days when we were back in the office in in, in Greenville, and it just it it just dawned on me when I was just kind of going through that that wow, those people get in your hearts and in your mind and in your lives, and you just it never disappears, and I'm thankful for that. And that's one of the blessings of, of leadership that, that, that comes along with it is you, have, you build some amazing relationships that endure across generations and, and across you know, decades. And uh, So just please keep uh, Ryan in your prayers. He's a church planter out there in uh, Litchfield Park, which is the way to the west side of Phoenix, and his, uh, his wife and their kids... Um, this is a, I'm sure that this was a, a shock to them, um, but it, it also reminded me that, that COVID still has, a, has fingers out there, and, and Ryan's in his 30s, uh, he's probably approaching 40, um, uh, but it's, it's, it's impacting people even at, at, at that age, I mean, in, in an area where I would have not expected that kind of a, of a prayer request to come over the... Uh, things this afternoon. So just, you know, please do pray for, for them as, and their church as they continue the process of going out there. But just, you know, take the opportunity, I guess, I guess this time I'm being a salesman or whatever, but take the opportunity to build relationships with those who are younger and, and to, to sustain them over time because um, it will, there's, there's joy, there are tears, um, etc. even if it's half a, you know, half a country away, if you will, or across an ocean or whatever, um, in terms of that. So anyway, this is part of what, what God does for us in, in this whole issue of being part of the body of Christ. So uh, tonight we're going to wrap, wrap up the nuts and bolts on this idea of biblical intimacy to, so that we can get into 1 John next week. Um, I'll talk to that um, at the, at basically at the, at the end of what... Uh, we're... So last week we had a discussion. There was, you know, when I was talking about emotions and emotions associated with you know, our, the gospel presentations and so forth, and there were some sidebar conversations that, that took place, and um, I, I decided, that, you know, let's, I'm going to kind of put this together in what I would call a, a simple way that's easy enough to understand and try to avoid all the theological jargon that, that could go into this. But as we think about who we are, the composition of man, all the parts and pieces, etc., there's a theological aspect of it um, and that's part of the theological traditions that individuals have and where they came from, 
um, the, the church that you came from. There's a theological aspect of that in terms of the way man is described, whether it's in hymns or it's in prayers or it's in, in whatever. And then there's a linguistic discussion. And this is one of the, the fascinating things. And, and I, every time I think about the, the linguistic issues, I, my mind immediately goes back to, um, to what event in, in, in human history, when we talk about languages, are we focusing back on? The Tower of Babel, all right? And at, at that point, God confused the languages. Was God confused in terms of understanding all of those languages? No. And, and so he could understand Sanskrit and German and you name it. And, and when he did that, he, he also confused the, I'll call it the inherent interculture of people and civilizations have different views on this whole issue of what is the composition, how is man composed in terms of parts. And so what I want to do is just, just to, to go back to what we were talking about last week um, and, and to try to help you to understand. So I decided to do this real simply. Okay, I, I figured that most everybody here could probably figure out what one, two, three, four is. All right? And then most everybody here can understand the, the issue of part and parts. Okay. And, and really, man is made in, in parts. However, over the course of, of human history, that's changed, modified, adjusted, etc. But all the way back in, in the book of Job, when, when we, we see this, this early discussion about man and mankind, Job saw himself as a himself, all right? And he saw himself as a whole unit. He, what, there was, there's no indications of of seeing man as a, a set of pieces and parts and so forth and so on. Um, by the time we get to Matthew 10, there's, there's the, the, the and I, I, this is in order of the number of parts, it's not in order of the, um, the, the location in the scriptures, but in Matthew 10, it talks about body and soul. I mean, the whole, the whole of man is body and our soul. Um, then it goes to three parts, and this, this goes back to, and this is the, the, the first place in the scriptures where we begin to see the, the dynamic differences between the languages. In, in Hebrew, um, the words that are used are heart, soul, and might. And when you think about what each of those mean, you, you get a flavor of, of how the language views man, um, the nature of man. So then there's another... Um, three-part version of this uh, that we find in 1 Thessalonians 5 and Hebrews 4. It's body, soul, and spirit. And when we take a look at that one in the, in the corpus of, of um, human knowledge, this is classically described as the philosophical view. The, the ancient um, philosophers saw man as body, soul, and spirit, um, and so you, you could also call that the secular view, right? But that's when, when you're talking to people... Um, you're going to hear them use these terms and they will get mixed and confused and convoluted and overlapping and so forth and so on. And then we get to this four parts, heart, soul, strength, and mind. And, and the, the easiest way to describe this is this is the Greek view, but also it's the medical view. Um, it's, it's not an uncommon view, uh, even within the context of 20th century, 21st century Medicine. I mean, they, the, the medical community has a view of, of this, this human being that they're, they're working on, medically speaking, all right? And, and it's, it's all very, very, very important as we... So this is, this is the theological and the linguistic aspect of things. But I wanted to take it a little bit more simply and, and a practical view. I mean, how do we, how do we view man? Well, there, here... When we look at it from this point of view, there, there are really two parts, and it can be described in two different ways. It's, we're material. This is the stuff that you know, I can touch. And then there's the immaterial. All right? we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But, or another way of saying it is it's the physical and the spiritual. Right? And, and so as, as we take a look at this, the material or the physical, is that, what, that can be touched. And so by way of illustration, um, I can touch the body, um, 
I can point to the brain. I can touch my brain if I you know, could zip off the, the, the lid of my head and I could touch the brain. I can touch my heart. I, could they do you know, operations? And, and muscles, the whole muscle, bones, nerves, etc. All of that is part of the material or the physical aspect of who we are. But there's, there's this other part of, of mankind that is, is, is also very interesting. It's the immaterial or the spiritual, all right? And, and this, is some, this is an aspect of us that can't be touched. Can you touch your soul? No. You, can you touch your mind? No. I can touch my brain, but I can't touch my mind. Um, I can touch my heart, but I can't touch my emotions. But then it says, in the same context, the word heart is used in, in especially in the, the, the Greco-Roman languages, the, the Anglo-Saxon, in, as well as the, um, what we would call the, the, the Romance languages, um, the word heart is used in, in, in two forms. All right? And then there's the issue of strength. Okay, uh, as, as we use. Now, this is the part that becomes interesting as we try to sort this one out, because if we can't touch soul, mind, emotion, heart, and strength, and oh, and by the way, at death, it leaves no trace. There's no location to go to find the soul or the mind. The brain's still there. The heart's still there. The emotions, I mean, a dead body doesn't have too much in the way of emotions, um, etc. And so we, we have this, this puzzle um, when we look at you know, the, the ter- these terms, this terminology in the scriptures, trying to understand some things as it relates to, you know, believe in your heart, etc., etc. And so all, all I'm doing is, is just sharing with you the fact that as we work through this in our English frame of reference, there is a different view of the usage of many of these terms than in German or English or, you know, one of the Latin languages, etc., or if you, especially, or if you go into um, your your Eastern European or Eastern Asian uh, languages, your um, Chinese, uh, Japanese, uh, Korean, etc., and it affects their culture, how they view all of these things. And, and so, when you when you hear these these terms used, don't be surprised when you, it causes you to scratch your head and so I don't understand that. Because some of it is not easy to understand. And, and so how can I have something that I can't touch? I mean, I can't touch my soul, my mind, my emotions, my heart, my strength. I can feel the muscles, and I can feel, I can feel the strength. It's sort of like the wind. I, you know, you, you, you hear you know, parents and grandparents tell, tell their little kids, you, under, you know where the wind came from? The trees start flapping. Or something. That's not true. But we, we, we do things like that because they just don't, they don't make normal human sense to us. And, and so God has left us in, in this um, dilemma um, as it relates to, to who we are. And it affects a lot of things that we say in terms of um, in our songs, in our theology, in, in our doctrinal statements. Um, and it's, it, it's just the simple fact that God has not given us an, an absolutely black and white um, compartmentalized picture of who is man, right? Uh, and and I, the, one of the things that we, we have to grapple with is, is coming to the point in time where we're going to say, that's okay. Um, God has not, in his infinite wisdom, decided that I need infinite, infinite wisdom and that I'm going to be as omniscient as he is and I would understand all of this. No, I mean, that's, that, that's not what we are. So when we talk about this, and, and, and this is what Ernie, Ernie and I were talking about last week, it, especially if you are a math science equations guy, um, what do you mean I can't pinpoint each of these non-physical, spiritual, immaterial things? All right? um, and so this is the dilemma that we face. It's, it, and it's just something that we have to accept by faith. All right? it's, you know, that's kind of where we end up on this one. It's, this was just a review or a, a reflection, as I put it, um, to, to help us to ste- step back and go, wow. This is pretty amazing, right? That this is how God created us, and, and we, we, we survive and we, we, we function with both a material and an immaterial aspect of who we are. Um, and, and this, this little uh, parenthesis, parenthesis at the end disappears at death but leaves no trace. 
and, and it's not a successful means for weight control either. So I mean, so it just, just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have weight associated, which is again that that puzzles us. I mean, we we talk about it. so anyway. Let's get moving. So we we talked about the roads to intimacy last week. It's unique to each one of us. There's an intimate growing heart knowledge. There's an intimate maturing heart understanding, uh, and then there's an intimate fellowship with Jesus. And we talked about this issue of it's it's you know, and it's a blessing that it's not a to-do list. Intimacy is not a to-do list. And I, if there's one thing to just kind of grab a hold of and to understand thoroughly is that it's not a to-do list. Um, are there things that we do? Yes, but it's not the same as a, a carefully constructed to-do list. And then there's the byproducts that go along with it. And so, so this is where we left off last week um, in this, 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 this pyramid or triangle and trying to understand how these pieces fit together. And, and, and the area that we live in um, for most of our lives is that, that blue triangle. It's, it's the, uh, the, the space of sanctification. Um, and that's where we're all at today. I mean, every one of us uh, making the assumption, that is, that we're all justified, regenerated believers in the body of Christ, right? Um, so we have to start with that, that bottom bullet that, you know, and, and justification and regeneration and then the gift of faith and then we, be, we believe by faith simultaneously. It's, and, and again, it's one of those things that we have to accept by faith and whenever we in, introduce that and those ideas, it, it makes for challenges in terms of just how rigid we want to become in terms of, of absolute order and sequence um, or do we say that these are things that are happening in, in, a, in a near simultaneous space and we can't sort them out fully? Uh, and that, that's, personally, that's kind of where I end up. And so as we take a look at this, and it was in the context of this false theologies piece that we, um, the discussions last week on, on this. So we, when we talk about this, what is, what is a correct understanding of this? Now, understand that when I, when I provide to you a correct understanding, the one thing that it, that it does not have is, is absolute um, uniqueness and absolute compartmentalization of all these parts and pieces, and, and you can't put them all on a timeline in, in, in absolute order. Um, because we have the aspect of it that's in, in eternity past, God was pulling to, putting together all of that which, which was going to set the day uh, and the conditions for the day when, when, when Christ went to the cross and completed um, from God's perspective what needed to be done for there to be justification and for us to have that relationship with him renewed, restored. Um, um, basically the restoration of what was going on in the garden um, prior to the fall. And then this, this work of this absolutely essential work of regeneration of the Holy Spirit um, that takes place in near simultaneous sequence and order and space uh, as well. And, and so as we, as, we, as we try to come up with words, phrases, means to describe it, this, this, this idea of justification and regeneration, which is the starting point for the whole spiritual life. Um, God's purpose is to make perfect saints out of worthless sinners. And that's, that's kind of where we are. And sometimes the word worthless um, causes us to, to struggle a little bit, but it's, it's to give us the idea of, of the, the, uh, the vast difference between who we were and who we are. And, and it is to make us perfect saints because that takes us into the glorification space as well. And so God, God's intention in eternity past, knowing full well that the fall was going to occur, etc., was that there was going to be a restoration, a restoring of the relationship that an individual human being has with him. And, and the, the, the key piece to this is an individual human being has a relationship with the infinite omniscient, keep filling in the blanks, God of the universe. Um, and, and so... For us as, as human beings, this begins at the moment that, that the gift of faith, and remember we, this, the New Testament is clear on the issue that faith is a gift, all right? But at the same time, we, have, we believe by faith. And, and you, you, you try to put those two together, 
and, and it, it, it racks my brain. I can't, I can't make it make full sense. I have to trust God here. And so my, the, the, is, and that's why we have this idea that the, the gift of faith and the, and the gift by faith are given by God and accepted by man. And, and this is what's going on at, at the moment of salvation. Um, and I just have to shrug my shoulders and say, thank you, Lord, for getting yeah, uh, Brian? As, as far as I can tell, yes. Uh, because otherwise where there's this, you have a dead space of, of some distance. Um, and, and again, I can't, I can't put a finger on that one. I can't start a stopwatch and start it. How does it, how does it occur where I'm given faith and then I can, I can act by faith I, you know, I'm 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 at a loss, but this is a good loss. Okay, this is not something that we throw our hands up and, and just you know you know toss in the towel, etc. No, but this just just helps us to understand the nature of who God is, and He gives, and it's a Chuck. You going to say something? Ephesians. Yeah. Okay. Yes and no. Right. Yeah. That's that's one that. It depends on several things as to whether, and so yes, there's a, there's a struggle with that. Okay, you know, where does faith come from? How does it get to man? Does man have it in, intuitively and naturally? There's there's volumes of theology that are written on, on just that that specific piece of the equation, and and it's like if if if, if mankind hasn't been able to set it out, sort it out yet. Salvation by faith and faith alone. I mean, this is this is the whole of the what we would call the, the Reformation statements that are part. Brian. Yeah. John, John uh, Calvin said that once once Adam fell, man lost the ability to have faith in himself, even for God. Right, and and that's I mean, but it's Calvin's not the only one. I mean, that's he's he probably has written it in in the most articulate articulate form um, in his Institutes, but. His institutes, while they are important, um, when we're trying to understand this in historical theology, his commentaries and the, the comments in his commentaries are even more important because of the way he deals with it across all of the different um, passages that are, that are related to this. And so, you know, that is, we accept by faith the free gift of grace alone through faith alone. Now, how does that work? I don't know. I, I, all, I have to, all I can do is accept by faith what God has said in what, at least from my perspective, is an incomplete form. And he said, do you trust me? All right? And so we're going we're to come back to that piece of it because that becomes extremely important if we're going to have an intimate relationship with God. And so I come back to this and, and I added to that middle the idea of transformation uh, and sanctification is the walk in faith. So we have justification and regeneration, the starting point where the gift of faith and the belief by faith begin to have their, their, their reformed capacity to, to be functional in a human being. And, and I, I cannot start a stopwatch on this one. Right? All I know is God said that that's going to be the case, uh, you know, and etc. So when we move to the, to the next phase here and we start to try to figure out the, the sanctification aspect of things, we're going to talk about the idea of relationships and transformation. And when we talk about biblical intimacy, um, it's, it's like relational intimacy. If you're going to have a relationship with anybody, it takes time and usually it requires some talking to go on for the relationship to build, all right? And when we, when we look at this, the other piece of it is the knowledge of God. That is knowledge of or about God aspect of things. Um, and so on the other side of things, we have the, the idea of divine contentment. And contentment is, is, is oftentimes connected to the word trust, belief in God. Right? And so as we, as we walk through that, as we, as we start to build this, this, I'll call it the opening of the door, um, to the concept and to the 
engagement in the activity of growing in intimacy, right? Uh, there, there are a number of things that have to happen. And so as we, as we take a look at this, and this, I, I showed you this um, all the way back at the very beginning, but it, so knowledge of God, the knowledge of who God is, begins and, and we have, with that, then we have belief in God, which results in change by God. And, and, and part of this is, is, is taking the risk to, to allow God to take responsibility for the things that he's promised to do and making the assumption that he will. So then we, on, a, on an intimacy level, we have this, the time and talk with God Trust plus trust in God results in, in transformation by God. And, and here's, the, here's where we have an impediment because the idea of trust, and again, this is where language becomes fascinating, fun, frustrating, etc. So trust is simply deciding, we use the word believing, in our hearts and minds, that what God says is true. Because there has to be some content to this, and so we have to ask the, con the question, where does the content of that which we are going to believe or trust in or decide upon, and where do we make this decision? Well, it's in our minds and hearts. Well, which heart? All right? And, and so you, you and this is, this is all extractions from from a variety of, of both devotional and, and practical theology um, texts, etc. And so as we, as, we, as we grapple with this and, and we kind of decide in our heads, am I going to trust, which is to say believe in my heart and mind, that what God says is true? And, and the, the first question that, that we have to ask is, does it matter what God says? Well, and there's, there's, there's a, a yes or no answer to that question. And if, if what God says doesn't have to be true, what God says doesn't have to matter, then we have to ask the question, what's the purpose of this book in the midst of this? Right? And so... If what God says is true and sufficient is, is factual, it, it helps us to, to build a construct around which we can get accurate information about who God is that tells me about how God functions and what God expects to happen when we believe what he says and when he says, if this, then that, and in all the multiple places in the scriptures where we have that, and there are natural and, and foreseeable, explainable results and consequences, you know, how, do, how do we begin to do this? So as we look at this and we try to, to figure out how do I build a relationship? Now, if, if I were to say, how do you build a dating relationship? And I, I wasn't talking about you know, intimacy with God, you can't know a girl on the run, right? You got to spend time with her, right? I mean, all of us guys, when we, when we went through the process of dating, um, we knew full well that if we didn't spend time with her, we weren't going to know much of anything. And probably we would be um, um, bounced out of the relationship that we thought that we had because she's going to say, you don't have a clue as to who I am. Now, full disclosure, all right, um, Brent and I have been married nearly 50 years, and, and one of the, the, the most humorous but somewhat frequent comments that either she or I will make is, and one of us will say, well, you should have understood, you should have been able to read my mind. And, and either one of us goes, no, 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 we don't want... We, I can't read, read her mind, she can't read my mind. And all I can say to that is, praise the Lord. Um, so, but that's not the case with God. God knows there's not a thought that's gone through our mind, our, our, our heart, pick a place, 
that God doesn't know. All right? and, and will we ever know him fully? No. But can we know him more? Yes. And the more we get to know him, the more we understand, the more we love him, the, more, the closer to him that we want to be, and the more that we want to be. And we, we come to the point where um, in that, that last uh, song that, that Joe let us in, is, should there be any fear that we have? No, I would say not. Personal relationships are not built efficiently. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, I think of dating. I think of you know, being married for nearly 50 years. Um, this, this is not an efficiency exercise. It, trying to, you know, to, to, to build that relationship with her and continue that relationship and sustain it, there's not any efficiency in this whatsoever because it, it, it breaks every rule that you've got. Personal relationships take enormous amounts of time and they're devoted, and do, devoted to interaction. Right? And this is, this is exactly what God wants. You don't create intim- intimacy. You make room for it. In other words, it is an inherent aspect of your 24-7 life is I'm making room in my life for an intimate relationship with God himself. And so the idea that somehow or another efficiency, multitasking, busyness, busyness they all kill intimacy, right? They, 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 they take the joy out of it. They take everything. In summary, you can't get to know God on the fly, right? It takes time to spend time. And that's, that's, I, I mean that sincerely. It takes time to spend time to get to know God. And so it, as, we, as we think about going forward with this, um, we, we have to start you know, thinking through what does that really mean. So um, knowing God, and this is, this is sometimes the, the, the most difficult place in, in this equation, is it's not just knowing the facts. All right? we, we can have uh, an, an, an incredibly long list of facts as to who God is or what is God, you know, etc. But it's more than just the facts, all right? My God loves me, all right? That's, yes, a fact, but it's something much more than a fact, right? Um, it's regenerated believing. I need the Holy Spirit to be able to actually do this because without the Spirit, I'm in the flesh. And, and you know, when I came to know the Lord, my understanding of who God was and is and is going to be it was like opening up, you know, the boreal. What is that? How they say that? Bo- Somebody say it. The aurora borealis. Okay, it's like just you see the sky just open up with this panorama of stars that you just didn't see before. Um, it's being transparent before God. Do you know that that in reality? There's not a thing that we can hide from God. No matter how many layers of clothing we want to put on, there are things that we, we can't hide from God. And this idea of, um, do I have the willingness to be totally transparent before God? You know, we say, yikes, I don't, I'm, I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to do that. But remember, God is that omniscient. And he knows where every wart, etc., etc., etc. is both physically and otherwise, right? And so loving obedience, okay, that, it's, it's not obedience out of necessity. It's I love to obey my Lord. Um, and, and it becomes our purpose. Knowing God becomes my purpose in life, right? And so the, from a thought perspective, is it possible to glorify God if we do not know him? And what will therefore glorify him? If we don't know what will glorify him, how can we say that we, we do all to the glory of God? That's predicated on the idea that we somehow, some way, know him well enough that our activities of life will bring glory to him. But that's predicated on an, an extensive knowledge of who he is by spending an inordinate amount of time with him 24-7, 365. You know, I, you, can, you can go to work and glorify God. You can go to, go to work and be, be growing in your knowledge of who God is because he, he is with you in all of those moments and those times, et cetera, et cetera. And so, as, as has been said um, by a friend of mine who, who um, actually wrote one of the books I was going through, we need to spend enough time and know God well enough that his character rubs off on us and we become more and more like his son. 
This is the secret of becoming like Christ, spending so much time with him that we become like him. We love the things he loves. We hate the things he hates. We love others as he loves. We can't become like another person by just reading about them. Um, I can read I can read 100 biographies about, about uh, George Washington, but I'm not going to know George Washington because I can't walk with him. Um, I can see pictures. I can see whatever. So, And that's just one illustration. All right? Jesus Christ is, is, the me- is our measure of maturity, not other humans. Right? Uh, that is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. And so he talks about for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, till we, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which is, which is the, the, the objective over life. So as we, as we get ready for next week, um, I'm going to come back to 1 John 1, 4. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. True, false, reality, wishful thinking, choice or requirement. Right? So I, I, I keep asking those questions because I want you to, you know, to ponder it. And then I, I, I make the argument that, that 1 John is a, a biblical handbook on, on intimacy, um, at least a simplistic one. All right? And so in order to do that, what we're going to do next week is we're going to do an extended word study that we won't complete next week. But you're going to go home with the homework to do whenever you want to get to it. And we're going to study the words writes, write or wrote, know, knowing, abide, dwell, etc., and fellowship. And so um, as I think about this, as I, as, I, as I try to construct for us in our minds what, what it is about 1 John that, that makes it qualify, at least in my mind, um, as a handbook on intimacy. Well, I, it, to use these four words, <clears throat> it's we get to know what he wrote so that we can abide or reside or dwell in fellowship with him. And so all of these pieces and parts fit together in such a way that when we walk away from the, and when we think about the book of 1 John, we're asking ourselves the question, what did he write? We know from 1 John 1, 4, I wrote these things that your joy may be full. Well, he wrote other similar principle-based statements um, throughout the book um, that, and that we may know. I mean, he wrote those things so that we may know who he is. And, and for, there's a purpose here because one of the, one of the key words in, in, in 1 John is the word abide, meno, in the, in the Greek. Um, I, I still have the paper that I wrote. Um, it was one of the first papers that I wrote um, back when I was in Bible college. It's, I think it's about the only piece of, of writing that I have from Bible college left in my file drawers. The rest of the stuff, I said, this stuff is not even worth uh, keeping, and I certainly wouldn't want anybody else to read it because it was an embarrassment in some cases. But then again, everybody who's been a freshman in Bible college knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's, there's stuff that you go, this stuff cannot see the, the light of day ever again. But so I, I have this, this, uh, this, this paper that I've, I've gone back to over the, over the course of the years on the word of, of, of abide. What does abide mean? And it was, it was an exciting study for me. It was a, actually, it was a summer school two-week class. On, and it was one of the first times that I have ever, had ever, as a very, very young Christian, done an extensive word study. Uh, and, and, I, and I walked away from that. And I said, wow. That, and it's an amazing, simple tactic, tool, exercise. And it, it, so you'll, you'll see some aspects of that when we... When, and then the... To abide in fellowship. It's not just to be sitting next to, okay, so I could abide next to Robert for days, week, weeks, whatever. We wouldn't necessarily have to say a word or whatever. But we wouldn't have fellowship because there's the other aspects of that that pull that all together. And that's where the intimacy is, is, is in terms of First uh, John, uh, etc. So, I'm going to stop. Questions?
Everybody's tired. Everybody wants to go home. Everybody wants to either eat dinner or, or go to sleep. Yes, sir. Okay, so you, I, I mentioned the word regeneration, okay? Um, that's, that's the starting point, all right? right. <clears throat> um, and so, yes, I did not do a study of the Holy Spirit in, in that block of sanctification because, yes, yet the Holy Spirit is, is an essential aspect of the relationship that exists when we, when we move into that, that, that blue triangular space. And without the Holy Spirit, um, frankly, none of this is possible. Because in the flesh, we can't pull any of this off. Um, and we're, we're just absolutely you know, dependent on that residing, present reality. Um, if, if there's any hope whatsoever of human relationships or, or being able to please God in, in any kind of a way and to understand. I mean, that's how we understand the word is because the Holy Spirit gives us the clarification and the understanding of, of what the word says. So yeah, I mean, so it was not a um, a, a detailed study of, of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it was more or less an assumption um, that the Holy Spirit was there. Um, it, it, it's like, what do you not talk about? <laughs> kind of a thing. So yeah. So anybody else? All right, I want to pray, and then we can go ahead and Father, thanks for tonight, and we do continue to pray for the folks in Florida. Um, there's already impact, and Father, we just pray for them. It, it's a hard thing to, to pray about the minimal loss of life because um, there, there almost always is in these kinds of storms those that lose their lives for good or bad reasons. Um, but we just pray for those that, that are, are going to go through all of that, um, the loss of uh, personal property, etc. cetera. Uh, Father, we just pray that, that, that people would be wise and discerning in the decisions that they have to make and then all the, the, the political pieces that need to be done to, to recover from this. Um, as soon as this thing gets through and then we all can see what the aftermath is and Father we just pray uh, for this Saturday and for the, uh, rekindle that, that it would be a, a time of rekindling spiritually for all those teens that are going to be here we just ask your blessing for all the leadership as, as they and then for Ron as he, as he prepares for the messages that uh, are going to be shared on Saturday thank you for today thank you for your goodness to us Lord we love you and we just want to be more like your son and to draw closer to you each day of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.